Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1320 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday here in early October. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, YouTube on the video side. I should also tell you at the top of the podcast that Lots on Hawks, along with all the other Atlanta podcasts on this network, are available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's also free. Download the Locked on Sports Atlanta app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Today's episode is going to be myself and Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops, an old standby in recent days. Zach and I have been talking about the position groups for the Hawks. This will be the fourth one of those groupings, and today we'll be talking about the centers. Not a lot of mystery there with Capella and Okongwu and Frank Kaminsky, but still a pretty interesting group to discuss. We'll be doing that as the Hawks are still in Abu Dhabi at this point in time. As a programming note, this will probably be the last podcast until the Hawks play on Thursday midday. I have to do some traveling uh, this week, so the next time you'll probably see and hear me will be live from a hotel covering that game. Uh, not in Abu Dhabi necessarily, but one of those things where I'll be on the road and uh, try to give you all the podcast content that you're looking for this week. And then, we'll, of course, we'll have a reaction to the opener on Thursday afternoon. It's a noon start for the Hawks, Eastern time. And then the Hawks will play again on Saturday against the Bucks in the same spot out there in Abu Dhabi. And it'll also be at a noon noon Eastern time tip-off on a Saturday. So with all that said, not a whole lot of news to touch on as I record this podcast now on Tuesday. But if you missed it from earlier this week, I recorded a newsy sort of a mailbag smorgasbord episode from Monday morning talking about Jalen Johnson and Trent Forrest not traveling over to Abu Dhabi as well as some mailbag questions and also you know, sort of you know nuts and bolts at this point in time. We're pretty early in the process still, but the Hawks will be playing games in a very, very short period of time. So buckle up. Please subscribe to the podcast. And after you hear the intro, I'll be back with myself and Zach Hood talking about the Hawks and their center rotation this year. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am joined once again by my friend Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops to discuss the Hawks center situation this season. Zach, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate you having me again. It's time to have the energy up once again, Zach. We are famous for that on this podcast. Got to get uh, fired up. <laughs> this is a pretty uh, interesting center group, of course. You know, it's not the sexiest because of the fact that it's the same two guys coming back again for from last season. Um, of course, Akongwu is very, very popular. I, I want to start with him. We'll sort of maybe go to Kaminsky in the middle. Um, you know, Akongwu is a popular breakout candidate. In fact, I was reading something as we're recording this podcast today. Uh, ESPN did a kind of a, one of those panel things about like picking one guy to have a breakout season and my friend Tim Bontemps picked Akongwu in the entire league. Uh, there's a little bit of buzz for him for a 21-year-old former lottery pick and I know I've always loved him. What's your sense of a Kongwu going into the season, you know, knowing that he's only played, I think, 98 games in his two seasons so far, but there is a legit buzz around him right now, it seems like. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's really good. I think, I mean, I don't know, I mean, how you compare, like, having Capella and a Kongwu to having, like, Joel Embiid or Jokic, but the Hawks have to have one of the best center rotations in the NBA with a Kongwu being the second guy right, right now. And, um, they have the luxury to basically load manage Capella for the rest of that contract if they want to, because there's essentially 
in certain matchups, Akongo is actually better, and in certain matchups, Capella is obviously better. But you can almost say there's no drop off, and and that's pretty rare. You could say that at center in the NBA. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely the case. That's something I've been saying for a while. Like, if you wanted to say to be simple about it, if you want to call Akongo the backup center, he's probably the best backup center in the league. Um, and then you throw in having Capella, who I think is a, probably a top 10 guy still, but at minimum an above average starter at center and, uh, with the best backup in the league. That's a pretty simplistic way to look at it, but it's also really, really good. And yeah, there, there are matchups where Kongwu might be better at this point in time. Like I've kind of resisted that. I think Capella is definitely the better option right now today. But would it surprise anybody if Akongwu was better than Capella this year? It wouldn't stun me necessarily. And that's not because of Capella. It's because Akongwu is going to be really good, I think. So uh, it's, it's a great problem to have if you, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and no, I don't mean like that as anything bad about Capella. There's just certain matchups that, you know, the quicker, younger option will be probably a little bit more suitable. I mean, like the Warriors or, you know, maybe. But, I mean, then again, maybe, you know, some of those smaller teams you use Capella more and punish them but i mean they'll just have options that most teams don't have i mean most teams if you have a top 12 to 14 center like capella they're playing you know a pretty good amount of minutes and it's not i mean capella will play a lot of minutes but they shouldn't have to force capella to play like a ton of minutes to where you know he'll be worn down and I mean, they did lose some depth from last season, but I feel like center is obviously the one place where, like, they're still – I mean, you still have Collins and then obviously, you know, Kaminsky that we'll get into. But, I mean, they have a ton of options at center that are, you know, pretty good. So. Yeah, we'll come back to Capella in particular at the end of the podcast, but he's played fewer minutes in four straight seasons, and that's the right move. You know, he played 28 or so per game last year. Akongwu jumped – up to you know almost 21 per game it would not surprise me if those numbers came even closer together i don't know if it's going to be full-on 24 24 but maybe like 26 22 something like that and listen and listen there'll be there'll be games when capella misses time because you're not gonna play 82 this year i don't believe that you'll see a combo play 35 minutes and that'll be helpful to his overall production and it's a big year for him like we talked about the honor hunter on our, on our most recent chat about it being a huge year for him Akongwu not necessarily quite on that level because he's not extension eligible yet, but he will be in a year, and I think he can prove a lot of stuff and basically, you know, show off more of his arsenal because the Hawks have been saying this on the record even. Like, they want to play through him a little bit more. His ball skills, I think, are really valuable on offense. He's not going to ever be, I don't think, like an offensive superstar, but I think that the fact that he's already a pretty solid free throw shooter, there is hope internally about his shooting overall. His assist rate went up last year, pretty notably from year one to year two. And like he he's pretty confident with the ball in his hands as more of a facilitator, not going to like just, you know, go one on one and kill you. But he's definitely multifaceted in a way Capella is not on offense. So uh, you, you'll definitely feel, I think you'll see him, especially with second units, kind of running a little bit more of the offense through him in like that high post elbow area in a way that we've not seen centers do for the Hawks recently. Yeah, no, he definitely I'm not going to say he unlocks offense in a way Capella doesn't, but. He definitely brings – I mean, he does some stuff even Collins doesn't do at power forward. I mean, if you want to kind of – like if you played Okongwu and Capella – or sorry, Okongwu and Collins together, you could almost have Okongwu running more of those point forward actions and Collins being like a stretch – I mean, 
four or five, whatever you want to call it. But Okongwu does have a lot of forward tendencies on offense. And then he's like a, you know, six, eight, like rim protector on defense. So it's definitely always going to be good, I think, for the Hawks, even if it's not a full-on Capella, like $20 million player or whatever, to have like a traditional center. Because I think Okongwu's only weakness is, is something he could really never do anything about. And it's just the fact that, you know, he's like, six eight tops you know he's not like very big guy as far as like a center so it's not like they have to worry about it right now but as far as if they were going to move on from capella and make a con with the primary center i mean you would want to bring in like i don't know whoever the big like Dwayne deadman type that's going to take you know not a lot of money but you have the option to be big if you want to be big you know because with collins being a little bit you know similar to a con in that way it's kind of a small front court to just pay a Congo and Collins like a ton of money and have that be your, I mean, I don't know. It is with Trey, you know, at point guard, that's kind of a small team overall. Yeah. It's a good point in general. And it's more of a future facing one because obviously Capel's on the team still now, but I do think that once and, you know, kind of assume at some point it's going to be a Congo's job in the, in the relatively near future. And I'm kind of with you. Like, I think he's a center. I've always thought that, but it's not like he is, uh, a seven footer, you know, even Capella, who's not a seven footer either, kind of towers over Akongwu. I stood next to Akongwu at the end of last week at practice. It's just one of those reminders. Like, I think Jalen Johnson's taller than Akongwu. Like, it's not like he's uh, he's not center sized, but he plays like a center um, on defense, which is great. Like, that's part of his um, his profile is that he's so good in space, but also able to anchor and really has one. If I were to say, you know, aside from jump shooting, which is We've talked about a lot on on this show and other places. Like we kind of just don't know what it's going to look like this year with a Congo jump shot. It's a popular topic. I get that. But aside from that, the only thing right now that I think he is like a notable minus at is defensive rebounding. Like for a center, he's not good at that right now. I think he'll get better. But that's one of those things you got to point out as well. Like maybe playing him with Collins, who's a big power forward, would be helpful with that. But um, that's the one. I mean, probably the biggest single difference between between Capella and Akongwu in terms of like one guy being great at something is that Capella is maybe the best rebounder in the league, and Akongwu is below average um, on the glass right now. So that, that's something that's notable too, especially when the Hawks play, as you just said, pretty small in some other spots. And DeAndre Hunter has been a bad rebounder in his career so far. Capella is kind of needed on the glass in some ways, which we'll come back to. But like, I don't know, Akongwu, that's an area that I've circled. Like, you know, everyone's talking about the jump shot and playing through him and more of that stuff. But, like, I want to see him rebound more because he's going to have to get better at that. If, if he's not going to be elite, and he won't be elite probably, just be okay on the glass. That'd be helpful. Yeah. and I mean, luckily they have Murray now who's going to be an upgrade at, at two guard as far as rebounding is concerned. But it's definitely a concern with, you know, Hunter been below average at the three. Collins is, you know, he's above average for power four, but he's not, like, you know, in double digits typically or anything. So, if they were to lose Capella for an extended time, I mean, Frank Kaminsky isn't a ringing endorsement as far as coming in and helping on the glass either. So <laughs> I don't I don't know, like, what they would do on the glass if they lost Capella right now. That's what I mean about, like, with the future kind of bringing that up. Is like Murray, Murray helps. Just to, I just want to make sure I say that before I forget. Murray does help with yeah. that. He's a really good defending. He's a, he's a really good yeah. uh, rebounding guard. But, yeah, it's still the point stands. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Murray's just one area where, like, I feel like that's probably the most underrated thing that people haven't talked about is the fact that he will be probably 
I mean, he's easily going to be the third best rebounder in the starting lineup. But as far as the whole team, I mean, he's going to be one of their better rebounders overall. And yeah, that was a big thing, I think, in the Miami series. Like, yeah, Trey was struggling, you know, the heater basically playing, you know, lacrosse or football or something and not basketball, whatever. <laughs> but the Hawks also were not getting 50-50 balls, rebounds, stuff like that. And it, that I feel like that kind of does add up when you have, you know, Hunter Collins, it can't all be on Capella, you know. So, I mean, Murray will help a little bit with that grit and just more of a defensive-minded player. But as far as the centers, obviously, um, I don't know. I think Okongwu, as far as a breakout, I mean, it might be still tough for him to get, like, the numbers for, like, your traditional just yep. casual basketball fans to be like, oh, that guy is really breaking out this season, like a Jaron Jackson or something, you know, scoring 20 points a game. But, I mean, I could see it on a more nuanced, like, team basketball defense. Like, if the Hawks take a leap to, like, a top four seed, I would say a Kongwu being, like, really good would probably be, like, almost necessary for that. But I don't know if you would agree with that. But No, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean – that is the it's such a weird thing to talk about a Kongwu now because I think everyone would almost be like but be like pre like oh Bam like before Bam was a max player and everyone knew he was really good, but like he was on the cusp of that. That's almost the kind of season a Kongwu would have to have, I feel like, for people to actually like realize what like Bond Temps is talking about. Like, yeah, I mean the diehards will see it. You know, people are excited about him. He's he's he is a former top prospect. But I mean, realistically, the only way that I can see for him to have the numbers that you're talking about and, and really even the playing time that a lot of people might associate with a breakout would be to have Capella get hurt. Cause I don't think that they're going to just bench Capella. Like maybe I'll be crazy and be wrong, but you know, even if you think that a Kongwu is better and I don't at this moment, like Capella's too good and too established in the locker room to just disappear. Like he's not going to just disappear. It's not going to happen. I think and Kongwu, closest, yeah. The no, I was saying, to, yeah, the closest thing to that happening would be a Kongwu might be like more of a default closer, but Capella's yeah, and that probably, might that probably, definitely might happen. We've seen it happen yeah. before. I mean, yeah. Nate's Nate's played around with it not, not a ton, but there have been nights when he's closed with the Kongwu over Capella, and, and I think that's going to happen this year. I mean, it's that that shouldn't be a, a big deal when it happens either. In my mind, like he's he's good enough to where that's not a controversial thing to do whatsoever, well, and, and especially if he starts hitting threes. Well, I was going to say that. Like, I know there's this. Hope now, and I was at the open practice. He made a catch and shoot three. People went crazy, and, and it was it was in a drill. Um, and like, I still think he's going to shoot. I've said that since the night he was drafted. Even before that, I've always thought he's going to be able to shoot. But the leap from maybe he can take a couple threes this year to like him being a shooter, people respect is not. That's a pretty big gap. <laughs> so like, th- as far as this year is concerned, I don't I don't think it's going to be a huge thing for him. But uh, I'd be I'd be happy to be wrong. I, if, he, if he becomes a legit shooter right. this year, that'd be great. If he aver- even if he just averaged, I don't know. Let's say he ha- he got up a hundred attempts and made thirty of them. That would be if like, t- look. I mean, that, if, he, if he good. took a hundred threes this year, um, he's he's taken three in his career so far, uh, in a, in ninety eight games. Well, so. I mean, that's that's one point two a game or whatever. Uh, but he still, that that'd be a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot for a guy who's never taken them really in his in his entire life. So yeah, uh, I was I'm just with trying you. to think. You know, take if you're gonna take them, you should take one a game. Yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm, uh, this is this, I think people have thought that I'm like saying he shouldn't shoot him. Like if he, if they think he's in any way capable of taking him, I'm okay with him taking him. No, if you're going to take him, you can't you make take him. That. 
Right. You got to shoot. Well, and you, and um, you can't you can't stand there and not take them when they throw you the ball either. I mean, that's a whole other problem for the offense. Yeah, that's basically so. true. Um, all right, we'll have some more on Akongwu later, I'm sure, when we talk about Capella and Kaminsky, et cetera. But we'll come back to that in a second. First, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You have, if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And there's a new flavor in the mix with Built Bar. It's delicious. Bill has done it again. And it's one of the, honestly, it's one of my new favorites. It's cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they have 100% real chocolate on the outside. That's a staple of Built Bar. All the joys of being cookie dough without all actually hassling to make it. Plus, it's actually healthy for you as well. The puffs have 160 calories. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein. What's great about Built Bar is that all of their bars have collagen protein in them. It helps your body to absorb them more efficiently. It provides a ton of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good. It's actually good for you as well. Go to Built.com to snag a box for yourself or your family. It's the perfect treat, whether you're actually sort of needing a snack for your workout or a late-night treat or just grab something on the go when you're hungry. Built is the perfect protein bar, and it tastes fantastic, even better than a candy bar. You're going to love cookie dough chunk puff. Ditch the calories, ditch the, the fat and the sugar as well, and grab yourself a Built Bar today. And go to Built.com to find all the Built Bars you're looking for, including this new and fantastic flavor. And when you get there, use our new promo code, LOCKEDON15. When you get there... That promo code is locked on 15, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. One more time, that is promo code locked on 15, 15% off at built.com. All right, Zach, let's make sure we talk about Frank Kaminsky for a second because he's the uh, the least sexy member of this trio of centers. Um, he's not really at all similar to the other two um, in that he is definitely an offense first player. He's become a little bit better defensively the last couple of years. I will give him that. Still not a great defender. Um, but he's actually the tallest guy on the team. Um, I can definitely verify that, both listed height and also just seeing them up close. He is uh, all of 6'11", 7 feet. Like, he's a very, very tall individual. He's a very skilled offensive player. It's a guy who was a national player of the year in college for a reason. Like, he's got a lot of skill level, and he is a pretty good offensive player. But he missed all of last season. Well, not all. Uh, all but nine games of last season. And defensively, he's not fantastic. But he gives them a different element. Like, he can, he can stretch the floor a little bit. Um, there's been a very popular idea that I know you have seen and heard uh, to have him paired with a Kongwu sometimes that might work if they were to need some more depth there. If something happened to John Collins or Jalen Johnson or whatever, they could use that lineup together. But I, I guess, I guess I'll ask you this, like, what did you make of them signing Frank Kaminsky? Because they always had to have a third center of, of some kind, but he's a pretty famous third center, but not, a, not a guy that's very similar to what they already had. I look at it. He's more of like, um, how to word this he's like a more appropriate gallo like they didn't need 20 million dollar gallo with john collins on the team now they have like a four million dollar version of gallo or whatever he's making you know he can shoot he can sort of be big and pretend to play defense and you know hopefully he doesn't play a ton but with gallo there was like all this pressure to play him and honestly most of the time it didn't really help last season so I think Kaminsky will be better in terms of there will be like no pressure to play him. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, that's like a negative thing to say is like the upside with a guy. But no, it's like, no, it's honestly, it's, it's part of the deal though. And people have also compared to, to Gorgie Jang from last year. And I'm always yeah. quick to point out that like the reason they signed Gorgie Jang to more than the minimum last year was because Akonga was hurt. And I, know, I know you remember that. But like I think they I think invested Jing, more in that spot. What they got out of Jing, though, I don't know that they're gonna get that out of Kaminsky. I mean, Gorgie was pretty well, good. Well, and, and yeah, he was he was fine, but even just in terms of the role, like they yeah. 
they were always going to sign a third center to the minimum this year. Because as we talked about before, when you have two guys, one of which is making a lot of money and the other one is a top half of the lottery pick two years ago, like when those are your two centers, your third center is going to be a minimum guy that you're hoping not to play. And that's what Frank Kaminsky yeah. is. And like, he can play a little bit of the four if you had to, but I still think that he is, he's just, he's the third center and he looked a little bit rusty to me at open practice. Of course, that's doesn't really matter a whole lot, but he's not, he hasn't played basketball in a long time either. So I think that's a, that was a good move. If you need to play him, he will not embarrass you. He's a totally competent NBA basketball player, but also remember that he's making the minimum for a reason. And he's a third center on the, on the team with no clear path to playing time also for a reason, but he, you know, I do think that if they, that they could do worse than having to run out some Kong Wu Kaminsky lineups, because those guys Kaminsky's big enough to kind of offset some of some of the Kong's weaknesses. He's, he's, he's enough, enough of a shooter to play those guys together. Uh, a Kong could play defense on the perimeter in the way that Kaminsky cannot. So like, if you have whatever happened, like let's say Jalen Johnson, who's ill right now and did not travel to Abu Dhabi. Um, if he was unavailable for whatever reason, your backup four might be that that lineup of Kaminsky and Okongwu because you might think Kaminsky is better than whoever else your other options are. And that, that's not crazy to think about either. Yeah, I think it's pretty normal to think about. I mean, that's why I kind of instantly compared him to Gallo because, I mean, the only thing I would worry about is you would probably only want to do that in certain matchups because obviously Okongwu can guard anyone, but Kaminsky can't. So if there's only like one big on the floor – I don't know. I mean, you, do you really want Kaminsky like being the anchor for very long? Well, that, that's the problem, honestly. If you want to be more negative about the signing, you could say, look, if if Capella in particular were to go down for however long, and yeah, you have a Kongwu, but you still have to play, you know, twelve minutes a game of Kaminsky as your anchor defensively, that isn't going to go well, and they don't have the backup power forward to cover for him. So uh, that's maybe the downside. But look. It's, it's a third center minimum contract. If it goes badly, it goes badly. But I like that move. I think it's a good value. He's a, he's a competent guy. He, he can score for you if you need to. Be, give you a little bit of ISO stuff if you need to. Kind of like you talked about with Gallo before. He can shoot a little bit. And he's been around the block. So he's 29. He seems like he's been in the league forever. But uh, he can play a little bit of four, a little bit of five. They have to. And that all works for me. And, uh, again, he, he, also, he, he really does, uh, if you're banking on that, on that Kongwu breakout, he does kind of complement a Kongwu pretty well. If it had to be. Yeah, and if you just think about the second unit, you have both Holidays, uh, Forrest, Akongwu are all kind of more defensive minded. Obviously, they brought in all those defensive minded guys. Culver, uh, Kaminsky, while he might not fit very well with like Trey or or Bogey, he does complement the rest of the second unit guys. For like he he fits well with the Holidays, like running around setting screen space in the floor. Because I think with Murray too, he's a good fit with Murray. Yeah, yeah with Murray. I mean, any lineup that you just want to throw in some, like, he's like cheap spacing. You know what I mean? Yeah, cheap, no, it's, so. it's, a, it's a good signing. He's very useful. And I do hope that he looks a little bit less creaky than what I saw at open practice. But it's important to remember he's not played basketball in a long time. So I'm not too, I'm not too worried about that. He's not, he's not at the age where it's like he's cooked, you don't think, at 29. So uh, we'll see. Well, he's, they got time with him also. I mean, they can work yeah. him in really slow. So. Well, and also, I mean – uh, I've said this a number of times. I know Hawks fans don't like it, but Jalen Johnson played a lot of center last year at College Park. So if they had to piece something together with Jalen at the five, he wouldn't be uncomfortable. He played a lot of center last year in the same system. So 
I know he's not a center. And I'm, I'm not saying Joe Johnson's a center, but he played there a lot last year. So he's at least be he, – he, um, that's, that's, that's an emergency option, but it could, it could happen if they, if they had to. I mean, he, Jalen Johnson is, like, ridiculously athletic. So not to make this a – Jones He's actually a good podcast, fit with but... Kaminsky too. Like if, if they had to do the Kaminsky thing, if either one of the centers got hurt and you're throwing out some minutes with uh, either Collins Kaminsky or Jalen Kaminsky, those are pretty good. I mean, all three between those two and a Kongu, they kind of all fit okay with Kaminsky. So that's, that's you, not, you're not, you're not playing him with a small, like I wouldn't want to play Kaminsky play, and DeAndre Hunter as your, as your four and five. You could play Murray, Bogey, Jalen, a and Kaminsky. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really just that I I don't think that because you think about it, Kaminsky cancels out the fact that your forwards aren't really the great at spacing because you would have Bogey and Kaminsky still. And yeah, Murray, he's not like so. a great shooter. Like I think even I've probably been a little bit aggressive on like how good of a shooter he is, but he can shoot. And well, he's just, he's not he'll, a he'll non-shooter, I guess. Right, he'll be like, guarded out yeah. there, and I think he fits well with three guys in the front court. I mean, him and Capella doesn't really work just for a lack of. Um, lack of foot speed and space and all that stuff. But him and him and Kong Wu, him and Collins, him and Jalen are all pretty interesting pairings together in the front court if you had to do that. So um uh, I'm, I'm, I'm it's more of a Kong Wu related question, but just something bring it on. Who will average I'm trying to think of the way to word this because I don't want it to be like that a Kong Wu wins this bet because he played more minutes. I guess we'll do like per 36 who will take more threes per 36, Jalen or Kongu? Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how much Jalen's gonna fire away, but he by the end of the year in College Park, he was shooting them pretty uh, So you think Jalen will take more more flat out volume threes than a Kongu? Yeah, than, I, I just think minutes? just because of the role. I mean, I I until I see a Kongu taking threes in NBA games. I will assume he's not going to take very many of them. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things. And it's not because he can't. Yeah, I just, that's... you know, you got to do it for me to actually see it. And J- not that Jalen's going to be a bomber. He's not. But just the role, too. Like, Jalen's going to play mid to the four. They're going to need him to space the floor sometimes. Whereas a Kong Wu, they don't have to do that with. Like, he could just be your dive man or or, or, or be in the dunker spot. Whereas Jalen's going to have to be in the corner on occasion, spacing the floor. And just be willing to catch and shoot off of Trey, off of Murray. Off of Murray. So I would take Jalen. But look, it wouldn't stun me. Like a Kongwu, I think it was Kevin, uh, our friend Kevin Chenard asked a Kongwu the other day about his three point shooting and what he said last year at Media Day about how he's going to come back with a jump shot. And Kongwu just looked right at it and he goes, I'm a hard worker. I was like, Well, yeah, yes, you are. Uh, so I think he's pretty confident that he'll find his jump shot at some point. I don't know if it's going to be early on, but uh, hopefully he shoots him. Looking forward to that. I don't know All if right. it'll be necessarily this season, but I'm definitely in on the – he'll figure it out. He'll figure out yeah. how to shoot threes. I agree. At some point, they're going to ha- they're gonna have him do that. I'm, I'm not sure how good he'll be at it. That's kind of the big question as well. But I do think mid-rangers – even Nate said at media day, like they're expecting a Congo to shoot some mid-range jump shots this year at minimum, and he'll be confident doing that. But if he's better at mid-range than threes, he's – I mean, most people in the NBA these days are, are better at threes, at least on a points per possession. Oh, yeah, and that's one of those, like, Bam's a good example again. I, I know he's, like, the comp du jour for Kongwu, but Bam doesn't shoot very many threes, but he's regularly taking 18-footers, and it's like, I wonder what it would look like if you, t- if you took more threes, you know? I feel like um, Kongwu has a better stroke than Bam, not to make this a, a comparison. No, yeah, podcast, I, I really but... do. I've always liked Kongwu's 
Like I feel like Bam like, goes Bam goes through those lulls at the free throw line, and I feel like Okongo has a really soft touch on on floaters and around the basket as well as at the free throw line. I feel like he, he has does. a really nice touch. That's part of the reason why people have always, including me, have always like like liked the projection about Okongo's jump shot is that he does have really good touch free throw shooting wise. Last year he was eighty out of one hundred and ten at the line, which isn't like incredible, but seventy three percent. Like that's pretty good for a center. It's totally yeah, fine. For a big so, for a center, that's really good. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's uh, we'll probably come back to him again one more time. We talk about Capella. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors on the show. All right, Zach, let's close up shop with a discussion of Clint Capella, who I know we've talked about already on this episode, but Capella is still really good. I know I've seen, maybe aside from our friend Glenn Willis, I'm seen as uh, the big Capella guy. Um, I think Glenn probably values him even more than I do, but he was, even with a little bit of a down season from him last year. He was still really effective and like all the metrics, they were still much better with him on the floor than off last year. The Hawks had a plus 3.3 net rating with Capella on the floor and they were negative with him off the floor. Um, I talked about actually earlier this week on a mailbag, just kind of the value of why Akongu is not the center already starting. It's because they, they just value Capella so much organizationally um, from from top down, Trace talked about how much he likes Capella, the screen setting, the rebounding, the defensive anchor stuff. Like he's just really valuable, and I, I try very hard not to make it a Capella versus a Kongu thing because those guys seem to like each other, and also because like they can complement each other as we talked about before. But I, I still think that Capella is really good, and that's maybe that's maybe maybe that's controversial, but I don't I don't think it should be. He's really good. No, some of those games where Trey really struggled. People just like to gloss over the fact that, you know, Capella wasn't playing some of those games versus Miami. And, I mean, it's really like – I mean, it's almost like taking a quarterback's best receiver away in a way. I mean, not that Capella is catching a you know, billion lobs, but he's helping <laughs> Trey get open like every play of the game. Yep. So, it's not like to say that Trey – Oh, he he couldn't play without Capella, but asking him not to play without him all of a sudden in a playoff setting, I mean, that's like a recipe for a failure. So I think honestly, sometimes it's not even that Capella has to be out there on the floor. Sometimes he just helps Trey get loose and get hot, you know, get a couple of those quick, easy threes because the guard runs into a wall screen from Capella and all of a sudden Trey's wide open from 28 feet. Yep. So there's just like a nuance and timing to that that we probably won't get right away, at least until, you know, he's playing with Trey, like, all the time. So And, and Collins, you know, obviously is probably right there with Capella, but Capella's just a little bit bigger, so the screens are a little bit, you know, harder to get around. Yeah, and Collins, I think Collins slips, he slips more, and Capella and Colin, just drills people. Capella is better at setting illegal screens. No, he, he's, he's a craftsman. Uh, a lot of them are, like, like you just mentioned, not – Super legal all the time, but he doesn't I mean, get a ton of those like offensive foul calls. Every team sets illegal screens. The Warriors, oh, yeah. I believe, the world at it. So I'm not. That's a. It's a compliment, obviously. It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know. Uh, I know. Kevin really hates illegal screens, but it's one of those things where like, you want your big to do it, and that's something Nate's talked about too. Like they, they really do kind of understand how valuable Capella's screen setting is, and just the chemistry that he has with Trey. Um, and that's something that he brought with him. And that's one of the reasons that they prioritized getting him in, in that trade from, from Houston is that he had run a bazillion pick and rolls with James Harden and he's just a pro at it. And that, it's not to say that Okongwu can't do it. He's already really good at it too. He's got good, good, good It's just a little bit different because Capella has got so much experience and he's, and he's bigger. 
and his screens are firmer and all that stuff. Now he does have weaknesses too. You know, he's not a great finisher around the rim. We all know this at this stage, his hands are fantastic. I know that too, but uh, the pros outweigh the cons. It's kind of where I've always been. I'll just that. say this. The Wolves just traded like 46 first-round picks for an A <laughs> version. Of yeah, so Rudy, have, Rudy's better. Uh, there's can have like a B version of, of Rudy without trading. Like all they traded was what, like the 16th pick or something? Oh, that was – I mean, I don't care. I, I know there is a little bit of like – not, not anti-Capella. I don't care who you are. That was a home run trade the Hawks made for Capella. Trading a single mid-round first-round pick for Capella was fantastic. Like they don't they don't do what they did two years ago without him. He was incredible two years ago. Without without Rudy being Rudy, he would have been a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate two years ago. Can we? So can like, we just? I, I don't. I know you don't want to talk about it, but it's okay. You can't you can't write ECF on the Polaroid. I know a lot of people are gonna agree with that. <laughs> Uh, I, I think he got hung out, I think he got hung out to dry is my is my guess. But I thought that was uh, by the way, the funniest thing was the night that all happened. If you by the way, if you missed this, there was a whole polo, uh, social media controversy about Capella. Yeah. The the same night that the same day that happened was the open practice, right? So the open practice, uh, I think it was Big Tigger was interviewing Nate McMillan on the court, like on the PA. And he asked Nate the same question as the Polaroid, and Nate said his goal this season was to not be in the play-in. <laughs> so, that was Nate's goal. That was Nate, Nate's, Nate's goal was to make the playoffs and not be well, in the play-in. So, it, well, if he should specify it, because if that's a regular season goal, that's all you can do. I just thought it was. I just thought it was very funny because everybody got really mad at Capella for not saying championship. And the head coach of the team literally said, I want to not be in the play. <laughs> that was his goal. And by the way, it's you know, a reasonable thing to what, say. It's you just, know what that really means? That means his goal is not to get fired. Uh, yeah, Nate. That, I do think that if Nate ends up not being in the playoffs, he might be a Nazi. We'll see. Um, but no, I, the Capella thing is, is what it is. Like, he's I, I, think a, they, I don't know. I think they would probably change it if they were in the play-in again and lost in the first they might. No, they might. The they might. No question. He, I, I, he becomes – at least on the semi hot seat if they don't make the playoffs. Um, more seriously on the Capella thing, like it is a remind he's him and Bogey are the, are the vets on this team now. Obviously, Justin Holiday is a is the oldest guy on the team. He's uh, coming in from outside though, but like the returning vets, you know, it's still Trey's team. Trey's the Trey's the face of the team. Collins has been around for a long time, actually the longest time on the roster. But Capella and Bogey are, are the vets, and Capella has been the guy, and really. The two of them, I would say, Capella and Bogey, but probably more Capella over the last year and a half. Capella's been the one guy who has probably said the most like candid stuff on the record about like struggles and kind of just like saying what it is. Like he's a, yeah, like he may play bad defense or something. Yeah, he, he seems to be pretty candid. Like you know, not everybody. You don't have to be that way, but like every once in a while, a vet's got to be like, all right, we're we got to be better than this. And it seems like Bogey and Capella are the guys that do that on this roster. Um, which is helpful. Also, I don't know if I said this before, but in case I didn't, Capella's healthy this year by all accounts, and he was not healthy earlier last year. He missed like most of training camp, and the Achilles thing was really bothering him, and he seems to be like 100%. So that's nice. I don't know if it's going to last. He's kind of always battling something at some point, and that's maybe comes with age and minutes, but he seems to be 100%, which would also be there's like, very good news. I feel like there's like six guys on the team why people are saying that this year. Well, last year was the same. Well, because the last year, that's one of the things that I know we season. I know we talked about it, you and I, and other places, but like 
people just have forgotten how banged up they were both early in the season and at, at the end of the season. I know Bogey's still banged up, and it sounds like he might just nurse that for the rest of his career or whatever. But Okongwu, Capella, Jalen, Hunter. I mean, Jalen, hopefully, is just, you know, it's not anything physical. Hopefully, he just, you know, gets over whatever he's getting getting over. But yep. those four guys, you know, two of their top centers and forwards, if, if all those guys are really feeling, you know, as good as, you know, people hope they are physically. I mean, it could be a completely different story, especially defensively. Yeah. For no, the, I mean, for the team. it's, it's really weird after the last couple of off seasons to talk about training camp and not like have a laundry list of injuries to update on, you know, AJ Griffin's been banged up and that's kind of the second injury. Bogey's the only one that's not been practicing other than Griffin and Griffin did practice before, before, before they went overseas. So at, at the time they were leaving, they had the illnesses for Johnson and Trent Forrest, but there was one injury and it was, and it was bogey. So like compared to last year when they had four, they had four of their core guys who basically didn't play a training camp last year, much at all. And this year it's one. And it's, and, and, and the one guy who's not playing is not even supposed to start this year. So like they're a lot healthier. I think Capella in particular being healthy is good. And then a Kongwu bringing it all full circle Okongwu having a full offseason is huge. I mean, I know I've said that a ton of times. I'm repeating myself a bunch. But the fact that it's really hard to get better in the NBA if you don't have off-seasons early in your career to, like, skill develop. And Okongwu was hurt both of his first two off-seasons. And it was a shoulder he, last year too, right? Like shooting shoulder. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had the labrum. Like, yeah, he's had all kinds of little things. But, I mean, so he said like it. An, it's not like an no. ankle injury where he could work on his shot the whole time. Right. He had a shooting shoulder injury. I mean, he said it, Nate said it, Travis has said it, Landry said it, I think even. But, like, the fact that he got to have that full summer is huge. The jump shot's the most obvious way that you probably see it. But, like, every everything. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is yeah. the same thing. We talked about Hunter on the last, on the last time we, you and I talked in this podcast. Hunter being healthy is huge, too. Being able to actually dribble the basketball all summer long is helpful. So, skill development's big. Capella's a vet with Capella. It's not, it's not skill development. It's more just like being able to run because <laughs> yeah, last year he with, couldn't run. Same, with bogey, yeah. same yeah. with bogey. Obviously bogey's already got like all the offensive skill that he needs. So yeah, bogey's just going to just be on the court and be able to kind of defend a little bit. And we'll see. I mean, people, I probably get a question about, about bogey's recovery every day. And the, the only answer I have right now is a giant shrug because they're not giving us any information about Bogey. Uh, we'll see as we start getting into games and he's not playing presumably early on, especially on the trip. I don't think he's going to play. And uh, that sort of opens up to asking the question, but we'll see. Anyway, as, as for the centers before we get out of here, uh, I mean, I'm not concerned at all about the centers. Like, I don't want to make it seem like they have Jokic and Embiid together on this team. They're not, they're not, they're not as good as those guys, as those guys but Right, I, they're really good. <laughs> I have no concerns about center spot. I mean, if you if you get an injury, it gets a little bit dicey. But you said it before; they do have a power forward, starting power forward, who has played a bunch of center in his career. And we all know Collins is not like a defensive anchor at the five, but he's played center. They have a third center who's been a competent NBA center. Like they have four, they have four center options on this team before you count Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I was, well, even if you don't count Jalen Johnson as a center right now, you he can play power forward and put more minutes for Collins as center. So, yeah. So if you get an injury, like I, I still think Capella is 
super duper valuable for them. And if he, he's, he's on my list of guys, you don't want to see have injuries, but you know, 21 year old going to be 22 year old. Akongwu is in a better place now to be able to fill in if that happens than 19 year old Akongwu was. So. Helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, they're definitely in really good shape at center and, you know, I think it'll be hopefully, you know, the least of their issues. Yeah. I mean, they have really good, uh, they have two really good point guards playing together, of course, two star point guards. And then they have uh, a really, really good power forward starter returning in John Collins. That's, I guess, controversial, but he's, he's still really good. And then they have these, this, the center, this center spot is uh, as safe as it could be at this point. So we covered a lot on this podcast as always, Zach, but I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we have one more lingering out there. I was trying to save shooting guard for last because of bogey's injury stuff. And we're going to hold that for later on in October, but that is the method of the madness. But uh, what's going on at Peachtree Hoops right now as we record this here in early October, I know it's ramping up and there's a game. There's a game this week, Zach. So I'm sure you have a schedule broken out for coverage it's happening yeah we got a game thursday at noon right and then noon noon eastern yes i think we're over halfway done with the player profiles so be sure to check all those out I'll, i'm going to go through and tweet uh, those out from the peace troops twitter again one by one you know before leading up to opening night but yeah check out peace hoops check out uh peace troops on twitter me on twitter at zhood underscore but always uh, happy to come on and talk about the Hawks with Brad. So appreciate it. Zach tweets like once every week or so on his personal account. So there's that. Um, but no, I'm sure it'll be more more during the season. So you can follow yeah, all Zach's work and then uh, some combination of Zach and Wes Morton and whoever else on the, on the Peace Tree Hoops Twitter account these days as well. Uh, I will always read that site. And for people that don't know this, I used to run Peace Tree Hoops uh, before retiring. And uh, I still am in the Slack channel, giving them all, giving them all grief on a regular basis. So, Zach, thank you for joining me. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Read Peachtree Hoops. That's a, a very good place to listen. Uh, so, sorry, read about the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, as far as this podcast is concerned, we'll be back at the very latest after the game on Thursday. So keep it locked. Subscribe. We'll see you next time.